you guys ready to get started today? Woohoo! Well, welcome to those who are watching online in our satellite groups. Um, I want to do a specific shout out to my friend Juliana, who's doing a Burbank satellite. Give it up for Juliana. She's awesome. I love you, girl. Um, I get to do that because I'm on stage and it's so fun. Um, okay, guys, we're going, we're going right to Exodus 20 today. And it's going to be, ooh, we got some good stuff. God's word is so good, right? Um, but before we get into that, I want to tell you a little story. Um, does any, is anybody here on Instagram? Anyone a user? Okay, I'm an Instagram user. Um, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month now, they came out with this little Disney quiz. So it was, which Disney character are you? And so it was this new little app. It kind of was trending for a few days. And what you would do, for those of you that don't know, is you'd hold your phone up, and it would, take, it would view you, take a picture of you, and then there'd be this spinning lottery of Disney characters. And the test was, which Disney character are you? And so someone sent it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. So I, I turn it on, I hold down, you can see my face in it, and then you can see all the swirling ones. And I'm dreaming about who they will say that I am. And I'm thinking, you know, like maybe Elsa, I don't know, I hope so, maybe Alpha, like maybe, I, I've gotten Olaf before, like that, that could come true. Um, I would love Little Mermaid, like I don't have Jill's hair, but like she's one of my girl crushes, like Little Mermaid. So I'm waiting and the thing's spinning like a little lottery. And didn't who do you think the first character I get is? Ursula. <laughs> Ursula, the mean woman from Little Mermaid. And so I thought, you know, who knows if these algorithms are right? I'll give it another try. So then I, I, I race it and then I, I try again. So I'm waiting, waiting. Elsa, Elsa, Elsa. Um, who pops up next? The hyena from Lion King. <laughs> I don't think it can get any worse. And the next thing I got a hyena. So I, I mean, it probably took me like six times. Finally, I got Mulan and I thought, let's just call it a day. I'm, I'm Mulan. So people ask me, Chloe, what'd you get? I got Mulan. You got Elsa? Cool. That's awesome. Um, but we, we love, we love these little tests, right? Like there's something about our culture that's fixated on these little exams. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the Enneagram. Get me talking about that. Um, Strength Finders, Myers-Briggs. There's all these things that help us see what's inside of us, right? We love kind of an exploration plot process. Who am I? What's in me? Um, I got, you guys, I went deep in research for this sermon and I, there is a world of quizzes and tests out there. Has anyone ever looked at BuzzFeed? Oh my gosh, there are so many. There was one that I couldn't resist. It says, what's your Starbucks drink based on your personality? Like, so if you could take your personality and put it into a Starbucks drink, what would I be? And I'm, I love coffee. I'm fascinated. You know, I'm hoping like caramel, macchiato, frappuccino, extra whip, like something great, you know? So I go on this little test and I'm answering these. I stay up late. Yes, I like this. Then it, it's computing. What pops up? What's my drink? Flat white with almond milk. I just, it felt so, it felt so like bland and boring. They're like, this is your personality in a drink. If they're going to put Coley in a drink, that's what it's going to be. So I was like, okay, well, next time, if any of you ever drink flat whites with almond milk, think of me, because that's apparently my personality <laughs> in a drink. Um, and then it, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed about this, but I'm also not because I'm honest. Um, I got in the vortex uh, with this one, spirit animals. 
okay, for those of you that don't know what spirit animals is, it's like if I took my personality and bottled it up and put it into an animal, what animal would represent me? And so I, you guys, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of quizzes you can take. And wouldn't you believe I took half of them on the internet? I just, I start, I started and I couldn't stop. I got a butterfly. I got a spider. I got a zebra. I got a whale. I got a dog. I got a donkey. I got a camel. I, I mean, I got the whole gamut. I got everything you can imagine, all for little reasons. Like you're independent, you're a spider, you are social, you're a butterfly. I mean, they're just, they're so funny. And now between me and you, I think if I could pick my own spirit animal, I think it'd be a golden doodle. I think I got a lot of energy and I just want to play with people and I get excited. And um, so anyways, just between me and you, I think I'm a golden doodle. But we love, we love these tests, right? We love to know who we are. How do people see us? What's, who actually am I? Who did God create me to be? And we get little glimpses when we take little quizzes, we get tests, we get to see a part of who we are come out. And today we're going to see a different kind of test. It might not be as fun as BuzzFeed, but the Lord is going to give a test that's going to show the Israelites something about them. And today what we're going to focus on is we're talking about obedience with God. We're talking about obeying God. Um, and so we're going to take a little test mid-break. So get ready, get your pens ready. I'll, I'll prep you before it comes. But um, we're jumping in. We're going to Exodus 20. We're talking about what it means to obey God today. So we're going to start in verse one. It says, then the Lord spoke all these words saying, pause, when we left last week, um, Aaron, Moses had gone to get Aaron and the priests and Aaron and Moses, Moses was the one FaceTiming with God, right? God was speaking to Moses and he would pass on the word. Now this is a little different. When God is speaking right here, he's speaking to the people. This is the first time that they are hearing the actual voice of God. And remember, the mountain is shaking, there's smoke, there's a scene going on here. And when the Lord speaks, he's speaking directly to these people. So when you hear these commands, they're not being passed through Moses. They're the word of the Lord coming right out of his very mouth. And this is the first thing he says, and out of God's own mouth. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so the first thing that we learn about obedience today is number one, first point, it all starts with God. It all starts with God. In the Bible, it says that he is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the last and the first. And the problem with obedience is it doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with, hey, why aren't you doing your job? Get on it. It starts with a person. It starts with the who, and it starts with the why. And so we see this is kind of his preface before he's laying out the, the new covenant with them. He says, he, he starts it off by saying, I am the Lord, your God. He doesn't say, I am the Lord God which is also true of him. He says, I am the Lord, your God. And what I've done for you is I've brought you out of the land of Egypt. I've brought you out of the house of slavery. He starts this relationship. He's, he's sending basically a covenant agreement with them. And that's how he start, starts it. He says, this is who I am. And when we think about obedience, we gotta know where it starts. It starts with God. God is worthy to be obeyed. God is our captor. He's come, he's taken us out of the slavery that we've been. He's our rescuer. He is delivering us from evil. He's delivered the Israelites. So it's on the premise of who God is. Um, I studied abroad in Chile and there was a group of people with us and sometimes we had stuff to do, sometimes we didn't. It was one of those, you know, 
just life. Um, but one of the girls with us, she was really into knitting. And so there was a lot of downtime when we lived there. And so she's like, hey, do you want me to teach you how to knit? And I was like, yeah, bring it on. Add to that wifey skill set one day. Um, <laughs> So we, we went out, she helped me buy some needles and they have really lovely yarn over there. So I just remember buying like this purple, I think it was like maybe real wool. It was really pretty. Um, but call this cultural differences. I don't know, like if it was just a di different cross-cultural experience, I couldn't find the start of the yarn. It, like, I think they tuck it differently over there. I think it might've been like homespun. It was like the real deal stuff. I couldn't find the beginning. And I'm brand new. I'm not really much of a knitter. And so I just started where I thought you started, started pulling out. Well, you know, we'll just, let's just undo this thing. Well, you know, 30 seconds goes by. I got like one or two knots, but I'm getting closer. Two minutes goes by. I got like, I'm up to my elbows in yarn and there's no beginning in sight. I think I might've ruined the whole bar ball of yarn because I just kept pulling and it kept tangling more and more and more. I couldn't find the starter. And here's the thing, when you have the starter, you can go back and you can undo the knots. Because if, if you know the start, you can untangle to get to the end. We are in this chain of humanity. You are not your own. It starts with God and it ends with God and we're a part of humanity. And so when we think about obedience, it doesn't start in the middle. It just doesn't start with us. It's not some legalism thing. Well, you got to do this because this is what we're doing these days. It starts with God. It starts with the beginning. He is the one that holds us up, that maintains us. So when we focus on our obedience to God, it's about him. He's the beginning. And we unravel because of him. We stretch out because of him. He's the one that undoes our knots. He wants to make us right with him. So he starts by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he goes on and he's about to give the Ten Commandments. Now, a lot of us might have grown up with the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard them before, but just, you know, humor me for the sake of this. I'm going to read over the Ten Commandments, and I want you to do just a little quiz in your own heart. You don't have to tell your neighbor. You don't have to raise your hand. Don't look ashamed. This isn't a shaming thing, but I just want you to think in your heart as I read these, like, how good are you at doing these? Where are you at with the law? Because what's God saying is he's saying, I'm your God. I've brought you out of slavery. Now this is what it means to be my people. It's, it's, there's 10, 10 rules, 10 laws, 10 commands, 10 words. And this is, this is what I want you to do to follow me. So it speaks it to the Israelites. I'm going to speak it to you between you and Jesus. Let, figure, figure out how you did. Okay. So first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the sea. You shall not worship them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. I love that little contrast. Three or four generations, sin, disparity, hate. God says that's a small chunk between my thousands of generations of love. I will weigh out love anything your family can try to do to hate me. I'm bigger than that. Number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will leave him un will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. 
Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So those are the first four laws. And they have everything to do with the vertical relationship. Everything is about God and about his relation to his people. And then the second six are all horizontal commands. They're about you and me. They're about the community, what we do with our brother and sister. So number five, it says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. This is the only command that has a, a promise attached to it. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Do you honor your father and your mother? If you do, you will be blessed. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Those are the Ten Commandments. So I moved into a condo um, maybe like a year and a half ago, maybe a little longer than that with a friend. It's, it's really cute. It's nice. And the condo has something that I call soft lighting. It's very pleasant. It's, it's like one of the new, you know, the glowy bulbs. And so one of the first weeks that I was in this new condo, I was getting ready in the bathroom to go to work one morning. And I, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wow, that skin stuff is really working. I mean, my skin was looking flawless. Even my hair, I was like, oh my no wispies what is what's this new me so I felt I was feeling great you know every day I was leaving and I was thinking I'm like dang I look good today well Christian assembly doesn't have the same soft lighting <laughs> and so one day after leaving the house thinking that I looked pretty on point um, I came into the bathroom here and oh! <laughs> it was a rude awakening it was true light, natural light, like glowing light. And suddenly I could, I could see all my wispies. I saw all my blemishes. I saw where like my makeup wasn't rubbed in. I was like, how long have I been going and living under the guise of soft light? Like every day I'm leaving so confidently, like I look great. And all of a sudden I'm hit with the shocking reality of like, this is what you really look like. This, this is a little bit like that. These 10 commands, they're a little bit jarring. They're a little bit, hey, I know you think you're my people, but are you really? It's turning on that harsh light. It's making them think, uh, is, are you actually doing as good as you think you are, right? Because the people, they're, they're calling the Lord their God. They're trying to be obedient. They're obeying. And the Lord says, we're going to shine the real light on. How are you actually doing? And so we're going to take a little quiz this morning. You thought that was the quiz. That's not the quiz. Um, let's just call this like, Holy Coley BuzzFeed. So this is my little quiz for you today. And this, this is the real test. Now you've heard the commands. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip them a little bit. But what I want you to do is this is a self-examination. You don't need to turn in your test results. If you want to mark a yes or no on your paper, you can. Otherwise, you can just store it in your heart and ponder it yourself. But I have 10 questions for you today. And what I want this to be is I, I want this to be honest time with you and God, where you actually allow him to reveal, to remove maybe the soft light and add a little bit of the real life to see what he wants to say to you. So number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Question, have you ever made something more important than God? 
Have you ever loved something more than God? Have you ever loved yourself more than God? First question. Question number two. You shall not make for yourself an image. Have you ever judged God? Or have you ever tried to make God fit in your image with your standards of what you want him to be? Quiz question number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Have you ever given God a bad name? Have you ever slandered him? Have you ever put him down? Have you ever said anything that would potentially ruin his reputation? Number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Have you ever looked to yourself for security, for comfort, or for your identity? Have you ever worked extra to get ahead? Number five, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord is giving you. Have you ever bristled under authority? Or have you ever rejected authority completely? Number six, you shall not murder. Have you ever thought wickedness or ill will towards another person? Have you ever imagined or hoped destruction would come upon somebody that you know? Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Have you ever lusted after someone that you are not married to? Number eight, you shall not steal. Have you ever been greedy? Have you ever coveted something that wasn't yours? Have you ever skimmed off the top just a little bit? Number nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Have you ever told a white lie? Have you ever deceived anybody? Have you ever pretended to be somebody that you are not? And number 10, you shall not covet. Have you ever been discontent? Have you ever wished your life was different? So how do we do? This, I didn't do great. I'm like a zero for 10 in case you were wondering. This, this is the point of the law. The point number two is we are the problem. We are the problem. Here's the thing with obedience. We are the problem. It's so easy for us to shine kind of a soft light on ourselves. And we have this tendency, well, at least I do, imagine you're semi-similar to me, we have this tendency to do this thing called comparison, where we hear on the news about people that are killing, that are blowing up buildings, that are embezzling, and we take that comparison and we kind of judge ourselves and we think like, hmm, I'm a pretty good person, right? You know, like on the scale of one to 100, you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't bomb anybody this last week. So I'd like, I give myself, you know, like, a, you know, 42 something. Like I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And then we're thinking like, oh, and I go to church every week, you know, yeah, I go every single week. So like probably, I'm probably like a 56, you know, like I'm, yeah, 56, maybe 57. And oh, I, I went on that mission trip last year. I mean, that was, that was 10 days. I'm gonna give it 10 points. I'm, I'm a 67. I'm probably a 67. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like maybe 65. Oh, but I also delivered food to my neighbor who's sick last week and she has four kids. And so I cooked for all of them. So four more, oh, maybe, maybe I'm like a 73. Yeah. And I prayed for my friend yesterday. 75. I mean, I, I, I work for the church and I'm kind of thinking like, oh, 94. <laughs> I work for the church. We have this way of justifying ourselves, right? We just kind of clock all the good we do. And this is the problem, is that when we don't see sin for what it is, we have no need for Jesus, right? 
we hear about Jesus. I'm thinking I'm at a 94. I hear about Jesus. I'm like, oh yeah, the extra six points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he could, he could help me. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, come on in. Yeah. Come, come be part of my life. Yeah. That's good. You can help me kind of get across the finish line kind of thing. When we don't know our own depravity, we don't know that we need a savior. And so the Lord gives them these 10 commands as a mirror with harsh light to say, are you who you think you are? You are sinners. There is sin in you. The evil that's in the world, is, it's not out there. It's in you. It's in me. He's showing them who they really are. In Genesis 6, 5, it says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Do you know your own sin? Do you know that the problem is within, that when it comes to obedience, we're the problem? Jeremiah 17, 9 said, the heart is a deceitful thing above all other things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This is the human condition. And this is not meant to shame us, but it's to give us a reality check of how we're doing. I think you and I have a tendency to think, I'm going to church, I'm praying, I got a lot of Christian friends, like, I'm doing good, I'm okay. And what the Lord's doing is he's showing them a mirror. He's like, hey, you're broken and you need me. And Tim Chester wrote in his commentary something that I just thought was really profound for our time today. He says, some people are stuck in sin because they refuse to recognize that sin is the problem or that they're the problem. Western culture utterly, utterly rejects this. It finds it deeply offensive. Our culture busily promotes self-esteem so that people can feel good about themselves. To talk about sin is seen as an assault on Project Me. But the irony is the more we promote our self-esteem, the more neurotic and insecure we become. A great gap has been grown between image and reality. And every day people are falling into the void it created. When you and I pretend that we are without sin, when we pretend that the problem is out there and not in us, we, we miss the situation. We miss what God's actually trying to show us. And he's saying, you're a broken people. Your tendency is toward evil. To obey, you, you need me. You can't, you can't do it without me. You can't self-justify whatever you're doing wrong and just covering it up in your closet. Who you actually are is broken on the inside. And this is the cool thing. So when God's giving this law, he already knows that he has a plan. God, as he's speaking this over them, listen to their reaction. Uh, verse 18 says, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. The people are horrified. That bright light shining on them is convicting to the point of death. They know that what the Lord's asking, they cannot do. And the Lord, when he gave this command, when he laid out the Ten Commandments, he knew Israel. He knew what was in human beings, and he knew they were going to fail. He knew that they, and they would try. They would try to do it, then they'd fall. They tried to do it, then they'd fall. And the same is true of me and you, which is why the solution is important to our obedience. And the solution is, Bible school question number one, can you figure it out? The solution is Jesus, amen. Jesus came to pass the test that you and I couldn't. 
So when the Israelites see this mirror, they see all the things that they're actually doing wrong. They're horrified because they know they can never pass this test. It's like if somebody asked me to run an ultra marathon, I would tremble and cry in fear because I know I can't do that. That's too much running for someone who runs one time a year on average under a mile. It's too much. It's too much. I wouldn't be able to do it, right? So if I called my friend, Tim, who's a runner, I said, Tim, can you run in my place? Like, this is important. Tim would say, yeah, no problem. Like, I can do it on a Saturday. And Tim would run the race for me. He'd pass the test that I couldn't pass. And that's what Jesus did for you and I. It says in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to pass the test for you and I. Have you ever been in a situation in life where you're in a testing situation and you know you can't pass it? I'll never forget second grade. There was a quiz, a pop quiz in like math, you know, it was like, addition or subtraction, whatever it was, I just was unprepared for it. And I remember looking at it and it looked like a different language and I had no idea. I just knew I was going to fail. And I was usually a pretty good student. So I knew she was going to call my mom. And so, cause I just like, nothing was making sense. And I knew I didn't know a single one of the six questions. And so I kind of was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I was almost crying in my head. I, I couldn't figure it out. It just felt foreign to me. And I'll never forget the relief when the teacher said, This doesn't count towards your grade. I just wanted to see how you're doing. You're not going to get graded on this. It was such a sense of relief of like, oh good, there's going to be no phone call to mom. Like we're, we're okay. I passed the test. When you think about what the Lord requires of you and that you can't do it, it makes Jesus Christ that much more precious that you and I could not live a perfect life, but he could. He came down, he lived this perfect life, he fulfilled all the commands, and he got the gold medal, he got the prize, he got eternal life. And what he does to you and I is he gives us that prize, he passes us the golden medal. And he says, everybody who will receive me will pass the test. Everybody who accepts me into their lives, who accepts that they can't do it on their own, I will come and I'll make my home in them and I'll live in them. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the reason that you and I have any hope, any shot at all of ever obeying the Lord. Because what he does is he comes and lives inside of us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus, when we invite him in, he comes in. He He passes all the tests that you and I can't pass. And it's our freedom, our privilege that we get to say, God, help me. I can't do it. I can't do it, but I know you can. I know you're greater than me. I want you to come into my life. I want you to help me do this. Where do you need Jesus? this week to come in and help you be obedient. What's, what's an area of your life that just feels it's too overwhelming, it's too hard, you, you can't do it on your own. It's like you versus Goliath and you need Jesus to come and help you. Will you invite Jesus in this week? Saying, telling him, hey, I have great need, I've got a lot of issues, I need you and my team. Will you come into my heart and help me? Uh, and the fourth thing that we learn about obedience is obedience is our response to love. Here's the thing, you and I are not called to be better. 
We are not called to do more. The, the, the message of the gospel isn't pull up your bootstraps, work a little bit harder, cross that T dot that I. The call on our lives is to be made new. You are a new creation in Christ. Christ makes you new. Christ makes you in his likeness, and he invites you into the journey to love alongside of him. You and I have been given an invitation to walk with Jesus in love. That's such a beautiful privilege. It's not like sometimes I think we hear the word obedience and it feels like a rock in your mouth. And you're like, oh, I, oh, I hate to obey. Just, oh, it just feels like so much work. Ugh. But what God's actually inviting us to is a life of freedom from slavery, right? He says, I've set you free from what you were enslaved by. Sin enslaves us and it wants to destroy us. So you can think that whatever sin you're going through, you're like, I got it under control. I got it under wraps. Satan is chasing, he's out to destroy you. He's out to get you and bring you to the grave with him. And God says, no, I've set you free from that. You've passed the test. Now you can live, now you can live for me in love. You can do what I get to do. We get to love other people, love God and love others. It's an invitation to freedom, right? Um, the other day, Renee and I were talking. Renee, do you guys know Renee? If you don't know Renee, you need to know Renee. Renee is the greatest human being on the earth, planet earth. Um, Renee and I were talking about my dental hygiene because I just, I have this thing dentists call deep grooves in my teeth. I don't got great teeth. So when I was 12, I went to the dentist. I had never had a cavity. Um, I ended up with eight cavities that day. It was like, oh, you got a lot of stuff going on in there. So like one churro, 12 cavity. I'm like, done. I'm done. Because what happens is the sugar gets in there. and then. Uh, so anyways, I got some bad teeth. And so Renee and I were talking about it. And she's like, hey, have you ever tried a water pick? I'm from Wisconsin. Wait, I don't know what a water pick is. We don't have water picks in Wisconsin. I was like, what is a water pick? She's like, you've never heard of a water pick? I was like, no, no, I've never heard. What is it? And she's like, you know, when you go to the dentist and they like use the blasting water and it cleans the stuff off your teeth. I was like, yeah, I love that part. And she's like, you can, you can get one for your own house. <laughs> this was brand new information to me. So I went home that night and thought about it. The next day I show up and because Renee is the greatest person in the entire world, she had bought one for me. And it was like a kid on Christmas morning. I mean, I got that thing out. I was admiring the case. I plugged it in in the hall so that if anyone passed, they would know it was mine. Like I'm getting ready to get my teeth really clean, you guys. So I charged it all day. And then when I got home that night, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I get to be my own dentist. And like, I'm gonna take care of all those tooth problems right here in this bathroom. So I, I open it up. Some of you know this already, this is new for me, but you, you fill up the water, you click it in. And then I'm just like, I'm excited. I'm like, this is about time that we take care of this dental hygiene issue. And so I look and there's like a button and I'm like, this is probably how you do it. So I hold the button. <laughs> and, and this water pick is on pulse. So all of a sudden it's like, shoo, 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 shoo it. The water is squirting everywhere. And for some reason, like in the panic, the excitement, I don't, my finger didn't know to come off. So I just held and I'm looking at it and water is shooting everywhere. The next thing you know, it's on the ceiling, it's on the things. I'm, I'm like getting sprayed and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, like it's go time. So I, I go, I do what I do at the dentist, you know, like I get my teeth all ready to be, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. And so I'm like putting it right up there and it's on like high drive and it's just spraying everywhere. And I can, it's like hitting the mirror and I can barely see what's happening, but I'm like, it's, I gotta be doing it, I gotta be doing it. I can't see anything, but I'm like, I hope I'm doing it right. The next thing you know, the water is out. <laughs> All the water that was in that jar has somehow miraculously ended up on my ceiling. I'm, I'm halfway drenched. It's all over my face. 
it was a hot mess. I literally, I was, I was laughing so hard. I got on my video and I was just like, I got to show Renee that I got to show her what happened, this situation. And here's the thing. I didn't think to read the instruction manual. I just, I figured like, this has got to be self-explanatory. So of course, after the mess, I'm drenched, I'm soaked. I think two of my teeth might have gotten clean. I, I look in the box and there's the little, the littlest manual you've ever seen, literally three instructions. Start with it by your mouth, press start, close your mouth. Three instructions three instructions and it could have saved me all the mess that was my new bathroom. And here's the thing, you and I, obedience is not that complicated. The Lord gives us his word and the whole law is summed up in two commands. The Lord says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes in life, we want, we want to go off script. We want to figure it out on our own and it gets so messy for us, right? It gets so messy when we try to do things our own way. And the Lord says, I'm going to make this so easy for you. Like two simple laws. They're both about love. Love me, love others. It's simple. Don't, don't think you're better than the instruction manual. I'm giving you instructions for life. These are words of life and it's not, it's not too complicated. Love me and love others. And so my prayer for us this week is that we come back to the heart of those commands. Love God, love others. How is God asking you to love him this week? What areas of your life have you put something else above him? And how is God inviting you to love others? Who do you need to love this week? When we go off of that, when we try to make it our own way, it gets complicated and God's trying to make it as easy for us as possible. You've been set free in love to love. Will you do that this week with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the father, the author of love, and you have sent your son Jesus to give us an example to follow and as a partner to help us, Lord, to be obedient to you. And so, Father, we, we just ask this week, God, that you would shine a real light on us, Lord. What are areas that we're not being obedient, Father? Would you, would you allow us, would you work with us to come in will with your line of love, God? You love us, you want the best for us, and you've given us such clear instructions in your word, Lord. Would you give us a hunger to walk with you through those words, to live with you, to focus on the instruction manual so that it doesn't become a mess for us, Father. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you clean us up when we get messy. And thank you that you give us a new chance every single day to try again. We love you, Lord, and we wanna be obedient to you. So show us how to do that this week. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen.